0: You must be at least 18 years of age to listen to the following podcast. I am Robert Black, and you are listening to Sexual Heroes. Before I introduce my guest for this episode, I want to make you aware that unknown to me throughout the interview my voice was accidentally being recorded by a webcam microphone instead of my professional condenser mic although the quality of the recording is not up to the usual standard i assure you the quality of the interview most certainly is my guest buck angel is an award-winning adult film actor filmmaker entrepreneur activist and perhaps most importantly an educator Over the years, he has tirelessly shared his story of becoming and living as a man with a vagina. He has appeared on television talk shows, traveled all over the world speaking to live audiences. He has appeared in documentaries and in his own YouTube videos, and he's even given podcast interviews like the one you're about to hear. Through his public speaking, he teaches us not only what it truly means to be a man, but what it truly means to be yourself.
1: Buck Angel,
0: thank you for being on Sexual Heroes today.
1: Wow, well, thanks for having me. I totally appreciate it. Being a sexual hero is <laughs> kind of like I feel like it's um a little bit much for me. I don't know sexual hero, but I think it's awesome that you have this podcast. <laughs>
0: Thanks, but I'm, I'm kind of surprised to hear you say that. Nobody's ever referred to you as a sexual hero
1: before? No, they haven't, actually. I think, oh. um, yeah, they haven't. You know, I'm all over the place with my work, I think. I'm, as you know, I started in pornography, but I think kind of going more into mainstream, people sort of push the sexual aspect of my work to the side a lot. You know, people have a hard time talking about sex. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> It's so weird, isn't it? It's so weird. Yes. Yeah. If, the, if they
0: didn't have a problem talking about sex, then I probably wouldn't be having this podcast right now.
1: <laughs> no, this is true, my right. friend. And that's yeah. why this podcast is so important. Yeah. Yes. Thank you.
0: When I started the podcast, well, actually, I had started it back in 2008. And then this year, I decided to reboot it. And you were one of the first people that came to mind, actually, as somebody that I wanted to interview. But I didn't because I thought, he'll never give me an interview for my, you know, little podcast. And so I put it off and, and I have asked other uh, people to be guests representing, you know, different gender identities. Mm. Many people decline or they simply don't respond because they're not interested in representing or educating. Right. And then recently I, th- I said to myself, oh. Fuck it, write to him. What's the worst he can do? <laughs> Say no or, right. or not respond. That's right. Uh, but within minutes, you responded and you said, absolutely. And you would not miss an opportunity to educate. Right. That's right. And obviously, education has been a big part of your life. At what point did you realize, you know what? This is kind of my mission. You ended up answering questions over and over again, I'm sure, to explain yourself. And then at some point, you must have said, you know, I don't mind answering these questions over and over. In fact, I kind of like doing it. When, when did that happen?
1: First, I want to comment on the fact that you reached out to me, which is like, it's huge for me, to, for anybody to reach out to me and say, I would like to hear your voice. So that being said, I just appreciate you even seeing me and hearing me, and I don't want to ever be that guy that's not um, accessible. It's very important in my work that I don't sort of become famous enough that I cannot be talking to everybody and anybody that reaches out to me. So that I want you to know that it means a lot to me that you see me and you hear and you want my voice to get to where you are able to bring my voice. So as a person who really actually feel so honored to be able to have these conversations. It means a lot to me. and Education is the reason why I am here. And so I continue to sort of use my platform that I have built from nothing into this space because I only got here because of people like you who are willing to have the conversation with me. You know, I started this 20 plus years ago and being a man, uh, it's sort of like being a man with a vagina has not been easy, but at the same time being a man in the sex industry like myself has not been easy. And I haven't always had people able to have conversations. It's been 20 years that it's taken me to get to this space. So, mm-hmm. so I love educating because I believe it's the reason why I'm here. Number 1, number 2, I believe people want to be educated. Number 3, you will not make change in the world without educating. You cannot push your agenda or whatever your lifestyle or whatever it is onto people without giving them the opportunity to have education around it and to make their own choice if people don't want to be educated by me that's totally fine i have no issues with that at all but if they want to be and also if they don't want to learn i'm just going to point myself somewhere else because people just aren't not everyone wants to be educated and everybody wants to learn or change their mind so so that being said that's why i continue to educate because i believe that it creates change
0: you have A YouTube channel now to facilitate that education. Mm -hmm. And I was checking it out. I opened one of the videos. It was a Tranpa 101. (laughs) And it was on dysphoria. And it it spoke to the one of my biggest questions. You identify as a transsexual. Mm -hmm. That's the label that you use. And what I have found is In the past, so many people say, I don't like to be labeled. But it seems lately like labels are more important than ever. Yeah. Can you explain the transsexual label and the difference between transsexual and transgender?
1: For sure, (laughs) and here's the deal: We, I'm 58 years old. People out there need to understand, and I transitioned 25 years ago. Now, it doesn't make me the authority. It doesn't make me anything other than a guy who transitioned. And that being said, all of us have different stories. All of us have different ways of being. And today, we have a different way of being trans. And so, when I transitioned, I mean, you know, I was born female. I always felt like a, a guy. My parents, on some level, raised me that way. I just never felt like like a girl. And so eventually I got the opportunity to what we used to be call a sex change. And I always wanted to be a guy. I never wanted to be trans. I never wanted to be anything what you see today. So back in the day, we called that transsexual. And it was basically somebody who had a sex change from a male to a female or from a female to a male. If anyone can see me or see a photo of me or just Google me, you'll see I literally went from looking like a woman to looking like a man and living my life. A (laughs) beautiful woman. Thank you. And living my life full on male. Everything, my identification, you know, even I'm one of the very few people that got my actually got my birth certificate changed to be male. So it looks like I was actually born male. Now now that being said, that's why I differentiate the use of the word transsexual as opposed to transgender. For me, a transsexual person is somebody who specifically is in a very specific space of gender dysphoria, who does not like who they are uh, sex wise, meaning biologically sex. Uh, I was born female. I did not feel that way. I did not like it. I pursued having my removing my breasts and taking testosterone and literally transforming my body to live male. That was totally what a transsexual person does. They go from one binary to the next and that's, they don't want people to know they're trans. I they don't want people to know that, <clears throat> pardon me, that we had this sort of disorder and, Transgender today is an umbrella term, and so that encompasses many different types of gender variations, which is amazing and awesome. We have everything from non-binary, gender not conforming, transmasculine, transfeminine, you know, transgender. They took the, the the term transsexual out of that umbrella. And so that sort of made me go, well, wait a minute. You know, you're taking the medical necessity people who are transitioning for an actual real medical need out of this whole umbrella. That, and that sort of upset me on some level because I felt like when oh, they were saying it was derogate, they're saying that the word mm-hmm. trans. Sexual as derogatory. Could you imagine that it's antiquated? Could I'm like, hello, (laughs) it's not that antiquated. I'm actually standing here along with a ton of other transsexual people in the world. So, so I said, okay, that's fine. No, no need for that. We'll just have a separate from that. And so I started, you know, really claiming the use of the word transsexual, and not because I live that way. As I told you earlier, I live male. But my identity will always be on some level, a transsexual. I can never get rid of that. But I don't use it in a, in a way that it's, I walk around the world as a trans person. That's not, I did not transition to, to be trans, which is what I see more of today. People are sort of, you know, I'm a trans person. I'm a trans person, which is great and all that. But that was never the reason why I transitioned. You know, I transitioned and got into porn, and I call myself the man with the pussy. I never called myself mm-hmm. the trans man with the, with the pussy or any of that. I was literally the man with the pussy. That's who I am. And that's, you know, pretty much around what I put to the world. Can you see the difference of me? I transitioned to binary. I believe in binary. That's where I live. Whereas many other people are transitioning to live under this trans umbrella. And that was never mm-hmm. sort of my space. So I think there's a lot of difference within the trans community that we do not talk about. We're not all the same, and we do not all have the same goals. So you said
0: you're a man with a vagina, right? And you're happy about that. You're happy with your vagina.
1: Exactly. I mean, how did I get here? I don't know because I wasn't always happy with it. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: and and I think that's easy to understand. Done. The conversation should be over. Like, right okay, on. now what what do you want to have for dinner? Right so, on. Right. But. I do have a question.
1: Of course. No. Nope. Uh, and I want to say this to you, Robert, ask anything. I am not okay. a guy who's offended. I'm not offended. I'm not, I'm here to educate you. So I cannot get offended if, by your questions. So I okay. want you to feel very open about asking me anything. Nothing offends me. Nothing. Okay.
0: I understand that you're happy with your vagina. Uh, I also understand that uh, many transsexuals who go from male to female choose to have gender reassignment on the bottom as well yeah and i also know well correct me if i'm wrong that the the medical knowledge and ability is is there's more it, it's easier to create um it's easier
1: for it's easier to go yes I know what you're trying to say. Let me say it for you. It's easier to create a hole than it is to create a pole.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Okay. So if it were true that it was easy to create a pole, uh, fully functioning, a cut one, an uncut one, whatever you wanted, uh, would your choice be different?
1: Yes, this is a great question. So today, no, I'm 100% happy with who I am and what I have. And I've just so connected to my genitals in a way that feels very masculine to me, all my lovers, all my, you know, partners in pornography, nobody has an issue with it. Actually, people are very turned on by it. So, so that being said, I have really learned to live with something that I hated forever, and have embraced it to such a level that I never think about getting a penis. Now, that being said, prior to me actually learning to enjoy and have what I, could not change. I wanted a penis. Forever I wanted a penis because that's what we see and that's what we know and that's what we're taught and that's what I wanted and that would have made me a whole man. But it just did not exist for me back in the day. I mean, the surgeries that were being done just and I want to make a little teeny disclaimer here that says this is my story. I am in no long, I am not in any way, shape, or form anti-bottom surgery for anybody Mm -hmm. who chooses to do that. Sometimes people think when I'm talking these, telling these stories that I'm anti-bottom surgery. I am not. I think it's important for anyone And everyone to do the thing that makes them feel the best about themselves. So today, I don't feel like I need to have a penis to be a man, and I feel very empowered by the fact that I sort of embraced what I have and showed it to the world. And, you know, I wouldn't be here if I didn't do that. So, on some level, I challenge this idea of masculinity and I challenge this idea of, you know, does the penis really make you a man? You know, and, and this is it is it am I really not a man because I don't have a penis? And you know, I make people kinda of think about these things. So really I used now I'm in a space where I use my body as a political statement and as a you know, as a means and way to educate about. What if a man loses his penis to, God forbid, cancer or you know, or an accident? He's still a man, right? Mm-hmm. So right. You know, these are the questions I pose to people. So and then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, Buck, you're totally right. Because we're so focused on that penis and we're so focused on, you know, if you don't have it, you didn't have a full sex change, right? And all of these things.
0: Well, even cis men Mm -hmm. are very focused on their genitals. And if there was a surgery to enlarge your genitals Mm -hmm. and you knew that it wasn't going to be detrimental, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of guys would do it. I mean, even I might do it. If I can make mine two inches bigger, I probably wouldn't be. On this podcast with you right now, I'd be out like <laughs> having a fundraising car wash or something.
1: Right on. So, but yeah, can I, I mean, ask you that quick? Can I ask you the question? Why would sure. Why would you want to make your penis two inches bigger? <sighs> uh, <laughs> uh, Love it. Because it,
0: okay, so I've done a lot of porn mm-hmm. and. I, I have, a, I have a, a decent sized dick, but it's not like a monster dick. Mm-hmm. And I have worked with other porn actors that have a monster dick. It's just, um, it's like, it's just, it's going into like hyper-masculine overdrive. It's just, it's just, a, it's, I don't know. I don't know any guy that wouldn't want to go, wouldn't, you know, walk into um, the locker room at the gym and be able to take off his towel and have the kind of dick that would make everybody's mouth drop. Right. I would love that. I just, I think it's a, it's a fantasy that a lot of guys have.
1: Well, it's a hundred percent. They do. I think a lot of women have that same fantasy to be honest with Mm -hmm. you, because we look at Dick as this powerful thing. It's the end all be all of power. And that's why my vagina is so powerful because I also flipped that idea that my vagina can be just as powerful as your penis. So I know that we have been sort of pushed into this idea. And, and you, know, you know, you wanting to have that extra gigantic huge size penis or cock is, is also something that you have been sort of told makes you more masculine. So we all mm-hmm. have this idea of our masculinity being sort of structured around the size of our penis. I mean, look at sex toys. Mostly gay sex toys are gigantic, huge penises. Everything is oversized.
0: <laughs> that's going to be another podcast episode. <laughs>
1: right on. <laughs> we love size. I mean, you know, I get it. It feels good. It's not just about the size. It does feel good when it does something that's thicker or fatter or even possibly longer. That is kind of a real thing when it comes to, I think, I think being a bottom or being somebody who's penetrated. The thicker or fatter is a lot. People like that more. So, but even
0: aside from what it can offer somebody else physically, Mm -hmm. I think it kind of goes along with women who have their breasts enlarged. It's again, it's power. It's like a a hyper femininity. That's right. And I think it's valued.
1: It is valued I mean my, yeah. my hyper masculinity look i'm very hyper masculine that was always my dream to I didn't want to just be sort of like a twink guy I wanted to be like you know Tom of Finland that was my dream you know to be as masculine as possible i mm-hmm. I think I sort of achieved that on some level and so that in some level also gives me power it does I think people see my my masculinity as powerful
0: I was watching your documentary a couple of days ago and one of the things that I could identify with, I could really relate to was when you talked about this, about wanting to have that Tom of Finland look, that, that masculine look. And, and that is something that I one of one of the reasons why I wanted to do porn, I wanted to be able to project that image, get into leather, right. flannel shirt, the, the boots. Yeah. I wanted to be photographed
1: that way and remembered that way. It's beautiful. I mean, it's just that, that, that to me was really the ultimate. And it's why I feel so confident today. I do. I can tell you that I never look back. I never think of any way that I used to be. I can't even believe I used to be a woman, (laughs) to be honest with you. (laughs) I've lived in this male body for 25 years, but I honestly, I feel so grateful and such gratitude to be in the space I'm in today. And I feel so lucky. And why I continue to speak out about really becoming yourself and whatever that means. is not necessarily, I don't speak just about trans. I speak about being yourself and whatever that means for you.
0: When you're educating audiences, let's talk about your audience. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference? Uh, do you notice a difference between the knowledge level and ability to understand and be empathetic a difference between your gay, lesbian, and bisexual audience as compared to a heterosexual audience?
1: Yeah, good question. You know, I mean, all of those audiences, I mean, all of those spaces. So, so that being said, today, I, there's a lot happening in the transgender movement that is not necessarily pro me. Because I am such an old school transition, and I have a very specific way of thinking, an older way of thinking, and, a, and on some sense, a more conservative way of thinking. Because I used, to, I went through so much in my life. You know, I went through the AIDS epidemic, and I lost all of my friends. Remember, I'm 58 years old. I was doing Act Up and Queer Nation, and all of that. And I have been an activist for a long time, and I have pushed against stuff. But today, I'm not so much about pushing as as opposed to creating coexistence. Of if that makes sense. And so Mm -hmm. today, I I just see, I'm all over the place. I have a ton of people that well, I think your question was, do I see more acceptance within the heterosexual world or the LGBT world? Well,
0: yeah, which is there a difference? Do you notice Mm -hmm. a difference between in in acceptance and their their kind of knowledge level, their base knowledge level about your Yes, about you.
1: Yes. And so, so today, because I do activism outside of pornography. And so, you know, I'm really concerned with youngsters and I'm concerned with the youth of the trans movement and what's happening there. So I speak out a lot about that. And that has nothing to do with my sex work. So there's that. And then, so, so that, so that really pertains, I think, more to the heterosexual world. And they listen and they are, you know, I, I have a lot of heterosexual fan base on some level, not necessarily with my, with my sex work but more with my educational work. And I think people, because of my my being transitioned for so long, I think people see me as sort of a more conservative or more of a way that they could learn from me without um, me being insulted. Because a lot of people in the trans community don't want to educate. They say stuff like, it's not my job to educate. And I'm right. like, what? Of course it is your job. How else will people even understand us? Well, no, they should go Google. I go, but how are they gonna get the right information? They you know it is your job if you want people to understand you as a gay man, if you want people to understand you as a gay woman or a trans person or anything, as even if it's a pornographer, you must take that time to educate. That's firmly what I believe. So on my in my sort of trans world, there's this idea that we don't need to educate. And I I do not believe that. And so I get a lot of pushback because I do spend a lot of time with what we call now cisgender people, which again, I don't use that terminology. And so I feel like there's this, div- we're creating divides in our community against the sort of straight world. And I, I, that's not how we're going to move forward. We have to coexist and we have to educate. So, so I see a difference coming from the most definitely from the more hetero straight world, like non LGBT. They're, they are nice to me and they are willing to talk to me, though I do get, it. Hate from there, but I get hate also from the LGBTQ community on some mm-hmm. level because, because they look at me as somebody who's a representation, right? You I'm sure Robert, you understand that being in the sex business. It's like mm-hmm. we now are this representation. No, we're not. We're just ourselves creating our own space and doing our own thing. I have no, I am not a representation of anybody but myself. Yes, I'm in these communities, and yes, I will talk about the way I do it. But I don't represent and I'm not the end all be all of a tranny or a trans sex worker or a, gay, a, a trans guy who's gay or any of those things. I'm just telling you how I am and I will educate you from that. So I think because I exist in so many different spaces that I have, you know, I have haters and I have lovers and I have people who want to hear me on all sides of the equation.
0: We've mentioned porn a couple of times here, of course, because you've done porn and I've done porn.
1: Uh, when did you start? What year? Gosh, it's been twenty plus. I think two thousand and one. Okay, so wow.
0: I started in nineteen ninety eight. Wow. So
1: okay, both of us
0: around the yeah. around the turn of the century.
1: Wow. Awesome, dude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> in two thousand, mm-hmm. I was at the Vienna Awards, and I was nominated for newcomer of the year people outside the porn industry don't realize how incredible that is right it was so yeah it just blew my mind (laughs) that i was on the list of newcomers of the year and people in the industry take those awards very seriously oh my gosh they do (laughs) yes (laughs) and i get it i mean Mm -hmm. outside the industry you know, the Academy Awards are a big deal in, right. the, in the mainstream film industry. And uh, if you're a salesperson mm-hmm. and you get a salesperson of the year award, it's a big deal mm-hmm. because it feels good to be recognized and not everybody gets that recognition. To so to be singled out, uh, it really it really feels great. In 2007, you got the AVN Transsexual Performer of the Year Award. Mm-hmm. Tell me about what that was like for you.
1: So, first, I totally know what you're saying. It's, it's, it, and congratulations on that because it isn't, it, I mean, you're going against a lot of talent. And so, to be singled out is a big deal. It means you're at the top of your game in an industry where, you know, there's a lot of people doing this. So, it really does mean a lot. And so, when I got nominated, I was the first trans male to ever be nominated for this award. Uh, I still am the first to ever have won that award in 2007 and so uh that being said it was uh, out of left field i had no there was no way i was going to win that dude i mean i was up against like the hottest trans women (laughs) out there Mm -hmm. and you know how you know they take that stuff seriously too (laughs) (laughs) not a joke and you don't want (laughs) to and you don't want to get on the bad side of a trans woman (laughs) who actually spent millions of dollars on her dress and like uh, I show up in leather, dude. I'm just like, whatever. And then I won and it was like, what? I mean, yeah, I just, to this day, I can't even believe I still won that award. It's such a huge honor. And it just, I'll be honest, with you, it changed my career within the industry, but not so much outside of the industry. Cause you know, those are like B2B awards on some level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is huge for me to have won that award. And it really just put me on the map. Do you remember that guy who, I think Mickey Ski is his name. He did, Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Mickey. So he's a friend yeah. of mine. But when I first came into the industry, he, he told me the other day, he said, you know, dude, when you first came into the industry, we were all disgusted. We were all disgusted. We were like, you know, when you put your finger down your throat with, and emulate that, <laughs> you're going to barf." They were all like, ew, this is gross. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. And that that's pretty much what all the gay industry did to me. And then, uh, and then he said, but you blew us away. You blew us, you blew me away. I, I said to myself, there's no way this, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. This is weird. And, and he said, but you did it. You, you, what you did was hot and sexy and amazing and nobody would have ever. And so I think on some level I was lucky enough to break through this idea that I used to be a woman, but my sexual space is very masculine. And people were not expecting that. They were expecting this woman, right? They were expecting a woman with a beard who's going to do this thing. So so I think what I got lucky is that people saw my masculinity and my sex. And they saw that I was really you know, giving off this space that never had been seen before, ever. And I went up against a lot of odds, you know? People just not pushing against me. The industry hated me. They did not. So that just flipped once I... Once I won that award, people started mm-hmm. saying, okay, maybe he has something here. Maybe we are. And I have a lot of respect in the industry. People are just amazing to me. The,
0: the industry, it really is a business. People are proud of products that they put out. That's right. uh, performers. Every scene I ever did with a performer, everyone on the set was always concerned about the quality of the product.
1: So I have to say, like, you know, we do have crappy studios, studios, quote unquote, out there, and we do have crappy porn. But I have to tell you that within the gay space, which is where, more where I lie, uh, is, is there, there is that quality control gay just being gay anyway go to a gay man's house work on gay men dress. <laughs> like, the gay men are on the top of the, of the game when it comes to that stuff so of course their pornography is going to be slick too so mm-hmm. you know i'm so happy that i slid myself into the gay male space because that's quality as far as i'm concerned like i just feel like there's quality and not not to say that straight porn doesn't have quality of course it does but i think that there's just a different way of looking at it and maybe there's the consumer You know, straight male consumer base is totally different than the gay male consumer base. The gay male consumer expects. Gay men expect something where I think straight men do not necessarily expect it. They just want to get off. I personally see the difference in that, I guess, quality, quality control or what mm-hmm. we're putting out there. So I respect that because even for me, I want to put out quality. I don't want to put out crap. And I want to, you know, even with my products that I make, I want to make sure everything is up, you know, to the best of my ability to create things that really change people's lives for the better.
0: I work with a number of the, the bigger studios and I would say overall, the actors were treated very well. You know, we had a good time on the set, except for maybe, <laughs> maybe once or twice. <laughs> I, I got a couple of stories, but, um, so I'm curious, was there a difference in shooting gay porn versus, or working for a gay studio versus working for a straight studio? Were the were the standards the same on production-wise and, and the, the way they
1: work with their models? Oh, totally. And, I, and and that's because I worked for high end studios, right? So I worked for Titan, mm-hmm. uh, which was a really great set. And I had such a great shoot. And everybody was so you know, that was I shot that movie Cirque No for Titan, I think around 2007, or maybe 2009, something like way. I mean, again, I was the first trans man to ever be in a major studio gay porn. And that just blew everybody's mind too. Mm-hmm. I got so much hate mail for that. <laughs> I got such hate mail from gay men. They were so disgusted. Wow! Uh, yeah, it was crazy. But, you know, I always look at those things as an educational uh, space for me. So, you know, those that was, again, I'm putting stuff in people's faces. But, but then I worked, I think, with Evil Angel being one of the more uh, straight studios. They were amazing. Amazing. Like just so on the ball. Everything was great all the actors, all the, you know, the the people at the camp, everyone, nobody freaked out on me, you know, because again, there I am in a set that no one's ever seen. I remember the first time I shot with us in a sort of straight uh, space and it was, I shot a scene with a transsexual woman. So me and a trans woman shot. So totally weird. It had never been done before. So the trans woman still had a penis, right? And I have a, Mm -hmm. a vagina and so, but I looked very masculine and she looks very feminine. And I remember the, the, the camera guy was just like, He's like literally going down us as we're having sex. And then he's st- he's like, I'm sorry, Buck. I just have to stop for a minute. I'm like, okay, he's going to freak out right now. And He, go- he goes to me, dude, <laughs> I've been shooting porn for 30 plus years. This literally just blew my mind because the camera's going down and he sees a penis going into a vagina. But then when he scans up, the penis is on the other side and the vagina is on the other side. And I blew the dude's mind. <laughs> but, you know, he was... laughing and cool and we're just so cool about it but you know it was just like those are the kind of things i've had to to deal with that you know never had anyone shooting porn 30 years but he wasn't mean and he wasn't a dick and he was just like super you know this is totally blowing my mind dude so it was kind of you know that kind of stuff is what i have dealt with but i can tell you that not in any studio or shooting anything everyone's just been super awesome to me and not you know even if people didn't want to shoot they wouldn't gay men in the early time no gay man would shoot with me at all they would never they wouldn't touch me i could not find any talent it was so Hmm. difficult yeah nobody would touch it are you kinky 100 (laughs) percent
0: bdsm Um, dom
1: sub yeah no i'm definitely a a dom sub stuff but i am mostly a top i would say i'm very versatile that way but i don't really consider myself bottomy i mean i do get i do get penetrated but more in a top space and a lot i I try to teach that you know i'm totally a top i'm very dominant very that and when people penetrate me or you know fuck me i'm in a very top space and i consider it servicing you know, I'm being serviced mm-hmm. at that time. So yeah, I'm, I was really hardcore into the leather scene for a while, but it sort of moved out of it. You
0: mentioned gender
1: politics. Uh, gender politics is the top of the thing that's happening today. Are you kidding me? It's what everybody talks about. Define gender politics. Uh, well, for me, I think a lot of it comes down to this biology doesn't exist. That's a very political statement. So now there's this idea that biology is a social construct. And I'm going to disagree with that until you can factually show me that that's true. You know, how we say assigned female at birth now. We say assigned male at birth. I disagree with that. I was not assigned anything. I was actually born a female, biologically female. I will never, and this is what's happening. This is politicized as far as I'm concerned. So that's, pol- pol- you know, that's gender politics right there. Hmm. Yeah. Did you know that? Do you know people are are actually arguing about bio- biology now? No. Yeah, it's actually very scary because you're not in that particular arena of the trans world, and they're they're saying that you know on some level gender is on some level, gender is socially constructed. I will agree with that. Mascul- you know, Hyper-masculinity, the way I am, that's, that's socially constructed in a way that I saw masculinity when I was a youngster, I think, and just that's what I wanted to be. So, for sure. Right. But to say that biology <laughs> is socially constructed is ridiculous. It's an actual factual thing. I mean, they actually do scientific studies. We have gamuts. We have, you know, if you understand basic biology, there's just two sexes. But people want to hmm. argue that those don't exist and that's exactly wrong. And that will, you know, 99% of the world <laughs> believes in biology or, or, or gender or male and female. So, you know, mm-hmm. this new, there's a, there's an ideology happening within the trans community. That's a little bit dangerous.
0: What's on your bucket list, your buck
1: endless. list. Mm, that's a good one, my friend. Oh gosh. You know, I feel like. I've accomplished so much in my life, dude. It's, it's, like, it's going to make me cry because like, I just don't have one on some weird level because I just feel like my life is so insanely amazing. Like Every day I get something. It's just the weirdest thing ever. And I can only attribute that to really just living as authentically as possible and not caring what people think about me. But that I try to think about, you know, I have a son now. And so that was really on my bucket list for a long time. So, I have a kid in my life and you know he's an eight year old boy and he's just insanely awesome oh. like I get to be an eight year old <laughs> <laughs> I actually get to be an eight year old boy which I never was really, so you know, see how it makes me get all emotional because oh. you know i do i have everything, Robert, and I don't wish for anything, so and that's where I want everybody to be is just to be in a space to know that you can have stuff you don't have to beat people up you don't have to be angry at the world you have to figure out what is the problem you know i had a bad drug and alcohol problem and so uh that really set me into a bad space and i learned when i got sober from drugs and alcohol i really learned to just understand me and sort of like really focus on myself and i think if there's you know anything i can tell people out there it's like stop focusing on the outside of and and what's what's what you hate and what people do that makes you so mad and focus on like, what can I do for myself? And once you focus on yourself and creating this really sort of great, amazing space, it (laughs) literally changes the way you are and the way the world interacts to you on some level. So my bucket list isn't, I think I finished everything on some level. It's kind of weird.
0: When people hear your name, what would you like the them to think of first what what should come to mind
1: um i think the first thing people should think of when they when they hear my name or they see me is i think authenticity on some level even though i'm not really big on that word but i think some when they see me they see someone who literally lives their life without any like looking back you know i don't make any apologies anymore i just live my life that's really what i want even the youth to see i think the youth are struggling a lot today not a lot of sort of people you can look up to maybe on some level, or there's just so much stuff going out. I just want kids to see that you can have, especially trans kids, they're hurting. And so they can see like, look, dude, I literally made my own life. I'm not a, I'm not a high school graduate. I'm not academic. I learned everything you see on my own. And I became this guy and I created my own businesses and everything with the, totally against all odds. So I want people to see that I am authentic and I live exactly what I speak.
0: Is there anything else you want to say in this podcast to my sexual heroes audience?
1: Yeah, to, to, to seriously live your life, my friend, live it and be sexually free. Don't worry what people people still try to say things to me. It's hilarious, but you know the the bottom line is it's so powerful. People out there, it's so powerful to take your power back. You know everybody out there you let if, if you're not feeling solid, you're letting people take control of your life and you know that if you don't know, you can actually take your power back. And that's by not caring what people think about you. And that's the only reason I am where I am today, because, you know, I get shit for being a man with a vagina, but (laughs) I literally don't care because my life is so amazing. So take back your power, people. Stop letting people walk over you. And like, you really can make your life how you want it to be. Because if, if there's any example of it, it's me. Buck Angel, thank you very much for being with me today. Thank you, my friend.
0: For information with links about a guest appearing on Sexual Heroes, visit the show notes at sexualheroes.com or on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can follow and message me on Twitter at RobertBlackXXX and on Facebook at Real Robert black. Thanks for listening.